All right, we're on. Welcome back to the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast, episode number 52. Today we have a really cool guest, um, an old school fighter who's been through it all. He's fought everybody. He's done everything. Um, I'm talking about Cub Swanson. This is a guy I've looked up to for many, many years. He's just a fun fighter to watch. Uh, he recently just got a huge win over Cron Gracie. So let's let's get to it. All right, Cub Swanson, welcome to the show, buddy. Ah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I've always wanted to talk to you, and I haven't really had like a, a long conversation with you ever. And it's crazy because we're we're both kind of OGs, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a little bit further than me on the OG status, but I was I was around when you were in the UFC. I don't know if you you remember me at all, but yeah. I I used to hang around Joe Daddy all the time. Yeah, is that a is that a is that a polite way of telling me I'm is that a polite way of telling me I'm old? No, <laughs> you're, a li- no. you're a little bit ahead of me in the OG yeah. status. Well, I'm just That's to the give, nicest give anybody's people. ever told me I'm old before. <laughs> I'm trying to get everybody up to date on the timeline. Yeah, I got you. I got you. When was your so my first fight was in my first pro fight was in 1998, and I had 21 amateur fights before that. So I guess that would wow. put me ahead of you. When was your first amateur pro whatever like MMA fight? So I started training in 2003, and I had my first pro fight in 2004. Gotcha. But you're younger and than I me too. I never had any amateur fights. Yeah, you just went straight in. Yeah, because in the California circuit, there really back then there really wasn't amateurs. Yeah, you know the thing is, is like we. I mean, my amateur fights were kind of, they were, I mean, they were just like the same as pro, I guess, because like it was just from Texas and, and so they just didn't want to pay you. So it was just like, it was still, it was still just fights. It was just an excuse to not have to pay you for it. And then like, (laughs) you still had to fight probably the same level as, as pro back then. I mean, it wasn't like there was like a bunch of high level guys, you know, fully well-rounded in 1996, 97, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I literally... They throw on like some shin pads and, you know, for the amateurs kind of like ease you into it. I'm sure back then it was elbows, everything. Yeah, dude, I was like, I was like a striker. And so like, I didn't have very much on the ground back in, in those days. I was like 18 and stuff. And so I was like, I was that guy that wore like the red gi pants, like Chuck Norris and shit. So I like, I like had MMA as my first amateur MMA fights wearing like red gi pants. And it was just me defending the takedown from these like Gracie guys or like, you know, Gracie associated guys, you know, down the line yeah. or whatever. And like, they're trying to take me down. I'm trying to like fight. And yeah, it was crazy, man. But man, yeah, you've been fighting for a long time. I have so much respect for for guys like you that's been around for so long and, and been through so many, so many great fights, man. Like just amazing, great fights your fight, your, your last fight was incredible with, with Cron Gracie Thank you. like that, Thank that was you. a great fight man like you you know you landed those body shots and they were so hard like you could hear them so loud and you never gave up on him and you know even though you didn't get a reaction I mean, he was obviously really tough you just kept yeah. doing it and for sure it was making an impact he just wasn't showing it you know like you could see he would slow down you could see he would like it was making an impact and you just kept going, man. You didn't, you didn't stop and try to like change things around. You, you stuck to what was working, man. And you just 27, 30, you know, you, you won everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I took a couple lessons from the Ortega fight. I felt like I was in control of that fight. And then, um, instead of pushing off, even Dana kind of teased me about it when, when we had a conversation later, like, man, you had that fight and you just, why didn't you just push him away? And I was, 
I was told to try to dominate every area and in the yeah. clinch, I was pretty relaxed and I, I just didn't see it coming. So I tried to take some lessons from that. And then, you know, when I fought Crone, uh, I was, I knew that he did, you know, triathlons and they do a lot of long distance. And I know that he's not very explosive. In fact, from what I understand, they don't do anything explosive. They're yeah. like, they train slow, but long duration and I'm explosive. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, I'm obviously going to be faster and more explosive than him the first two rounds. But if I can't get him to slow down, then he's going to eat me up in the third if he can withstand it. Right. So I needed to attack his body, attack his legs, you know, get him, get him a little tired. So that way, when I get tired, he's tired with me, you know, yeah. and because <laughs> if I wouldn't have done that, then I would have, I would have really struggled in the third round because he has a tank. Yeah. yeah. You were damaging that tank though. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you, know, you you could you could clearly see that, like you said, man, he was kind of slow. Like his boxing was really slow compared to you, and and when he got in, it was like at the end of his punches, it wasn't as hard, and you were just landing mm -hmm. power bombs. And it's crazy because when these these new fights happen, this UFC 249 and and the, the fights afterwards, like there was no audience. Some of the biggest uh, shock, I guess, to the fans was like to actually hear those shots landing, and like there's no audience, there's not a lot of noise, and like it's like wow, man, it's. It's way more impactful when you hear those shots actually landing. But in your fight, anybody that saw your fight with Kron, they were already used to it, man, because you could literally hear those shots like like it was it was no different than if there was nobody in that audience. Yeah, it was it was, crazy. it was crazy. I remember hitting them and thinking, man, that was one of the loudest shots I've heard myself because <laughs> I, I remember it echoing in the arena. Yeah. And then people were telling me after, and I was like, right? That was crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just took it like a champ and just kept marching forward. So, you know, I got to give props. I started thinking, I was like, man, is he hitting his arm or his bicep? Because, I mean, he's hitting them so hard. Like, how was he taking those shots? And then I would notice, like, before the replays, obviously, I would notice that he had those red whelps on his stomach and his side and everything, and you were landing them. And then, of course, the replays. So hats off to him for being tough, man. But you just you, – you stuck to a great game plan. And, you know, coming off a couple, a few rough fights there, um, you must have felt really good to get that win, especially over someone like him undefeated and, and uh, you know, on the rise like that, to be able to dominate like you did 30-27. Yeah. You know, you know how this sport is. It can be, you know, you have the highest highs and lowest lows. So, you know, when you're on a four fight losing streak that, you know, even though I was facing tough guys, tough. it's just, it's a tough pill to swallow. And then to factor in, I've been doing it a long time. So people are already like, oh, you're getting old. And then I, I had three kids really fast. So the, during that time of the losses, I, I got married, had three kids. I moved, I changed camps. Uh, different corners like just so many changes all at once I I really just kept telling myself it's not a big deal it's not a big deal but I, I'm, I'm sure it, it messed with me a little bit just just the, the comfort and the confidence going into a fight knowing that everything is good you know yeah uh, but you know I, just having the kids was something I really wanted to take on as a because I've been so selfish in my 20s and my early 30s giving everything to the sport and trying to wow people over and over and say, man, I'm going to come back stronger and I'm just going to come back stronger again and again. And now I have this extra responsibility of the kids. And, you know, I'm, like my last training camps, I've been changing, you know, five, six diapers a day, you oh, know, it's wow. like, you know, I, 
me and my wife, we share responsibilities and I That's ask awesome. her to do about 10 to 20% more when I'm in camp and just, you know, because I want a little bit more time, but I'm still doing all my, my dad duties. So, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy about that. And that must take a little bit, like, like your mind a little bit away from the game a little bit, which is good sometimes to just kind of think about something else, especially children. Um, so, so you would say that definitely, uh, changed your perspective a little bit and helped you out as far as overall mentality, your, your mentality for, for fighting and, and, and competing? I think the thing is, I think one of the hardest things about fighting, and if you're going to have like a long career, it's like when I fought when I was 20 years old, when I turned pro and I went down to Tijuana and fought some dude and got 200 <laughs> bucks, like, yeah. I was just like, okay, yeah. You know, I just wanted to give it a shot. And my reasons for doing that, were completely different than 10 fights down the road, 10 more fights after that. So now I've had, to, you have to like reinvent, like, you know, who you are as a fighter. You know, you have to get in your own head and say, well, these are my reasons. You know, in the beginning, maybe you're like an angry young kid and, and you just want to punch something, you know, yeah, and yeah. prove that you're, you're worth something. And then you do that. And then you, you make money and you do these things. Well, why are you still doing it? And you have to ask yourself those questions. You're like, well, I love it. Okay, and what's your motivation? I, I hate to lose and I got a family to support. So that that new motivation is just a different mentality that you have to get ready for when, you get, when you're ready for your fight. So it, it, it just plays with you because it's not, it's not the way it used to be. When, right. The way that you got used to going through the motions of go, getting ready for a fight, now it's different. Yeah. And you have to adjust, but that's life, though, right? Everything, yeah. So, so coming off that win, now now you're back uh, on the winning side with a big win like that. What what are you what are you looking at? Like, I know you didn't say anything in the post fight about another fight or what you were looking at to do. What, what's on your mind? Like, what what are you what are you wanting to do next? So, right after that, I competed in the uh, quintet ultra because okay. uh, they asked me to represent WEC, and I was like, man. WC is everything to me. That's that's how I got my start. So yeah. um, I, I was in, and unfortunately, when I was grappling with, um, uh, I don't know why I'm blanking on his name right now, <laughs> but uh, I, I blew out my ACL and my meniscus, Jake Shields. I was grappling Jake, and I, I don't usually grapple big guys, and so I grapple a lot with 10th Planet and Gracie Barra and I go with a lot of guys that get me in the similar position and he had me in a reap and I can always get away. I can always slide out with guys my size, but I underestimated his length and strength. Yeah. And so when I tried to slide out, I, I kind of really like elongated my leg. And when he tried to sweep me, my knee just tore. So I had a surgery about a week before Christmas and I've been just consistently rehabbing. So I'm, I'm, about five months since since I tore it, and so uh, won't be able to fight till the end of the year. But uh, I'm excited to get back. Uh, I, uh, you know, once again, I'm trying to, you know, be better than I ever was before because that's that's was my goal from the beginning. Like I'll stop when I start sucking, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as long as I can keep improving and keep showing that I'm making improvements, then I'll keep fighting. I mean, as long as I keep loving it. Absolutely. And you got, you got honors for that fight, right? With Kron? 
Uh, fight of the night, yeah. Fight of the night, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Well, then that yeah. tells you right there. And it's amazing to me at your weight to be battling someone like, like Jake. Jake used to come in and train with us at AK on like sparring day. And, yeah. and between us back in our in our prime, it was me and Koscheck and Fitch and Jake and as far as sparring goes. And he was just my nemesis, man. He was the hardest guy to like deal with because – of course, like, you know, the stand-up was there, but he had decent kicks. I mean, he wasn't like, you know, he was no scrub on the feet. Yeah. But, man, when he would get you down, and he, and he would do it from the clinch or whatever and just drag you down as, you know, however he can. And yeah. when he gets on the ground, man, like, like you said, he's so strong and so good. It's like he's a, he's, a, he's a good level. I mean, I know you're a black belt as well, but with that size difference, I can imagine, like, because yeah. I'm sure he came in pretty big for that. I'm sure he didn't cut. So Yeah, <laughs> but – I knew I grappled him before he came down to CSW uh, at Eric Paulson's back in the day. And uh, we, we sparred and rolled a bunch of times. And so I, I felt what it was like. I felt very comfortable standing. But when it when he shot in and got it to the ground, he just passes the guard and goes for head and arm chokes. And and I had a hard time defending it because, you know, he was a lot bigger than me. He's long yeah. and strong. So I just knew that when we grappled, I was like, I, I can't get underneath of him. As long as I, he doesn't get on top of me, I, I'm very confident. Because he had just grappled um, uh, Mark Munoz, who yeah. was huge at the time. And so he was he was huffing and puffing. So I was like, I'm just going to keep pushing him. Yeah. And, and then I'm going to go for a submission at the end. And he started pulling guard at the end because he was tired. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, this is right where I want it to be. And then we got it. He, we went in a heel hook position, but there was no heel hooks. And then he went for the reap and it tore my knee. And I was just like, no, this was supposed to be a fun thing. Like, yeah, I was riding this momentum, wanting to fight again. And here we are. I go back to the drawing board. That's crazy, man. And then like, yeah, for me, it was like his takedowns, like it, it was so different than your conventional wrestlers. And like, it wasn't about like, I can let guys come in and take me down and then I can make contact and I can still defend the takedown. I can shove the head. I can sprawl out. I can do things. But when he comes in and you know, he just has to get in. And even if it's sloppy or it's not proper technique, as far as wrestling, you know, like your, your conventional wrestling double legs or whatever, when he grabs you, it's like, you just can't get him off of, you know what I mean? Like, like once he touches you, it's like you can't do much because he's just going to hold on to you and then turn to something else. And it's like so it's like he's one of the few people that could actually grab me or touch me uh, on a takedown that I that I would just have a nightmare defending it. I mean, I was pretty much just going to the ground. And then when we were in sparring gear, forget about it. When I got shin pads on and, and big gloves, I, it was the most frustrating thing in the world because there's, there's no way to get up from him when you got all this gear on, too. You know, and I couldn't hardly do it without. But with all that gear on, I was just like, oh, just hated it, man yeah i feel you so i mean yeah he's crazy strong he's not the most athletic like agility wise but he's strong and and he'll push through and that's when someone's a a good grappler those two things you know that's that's hard to deal with and and so how's your training now like are you healing up from the the injury and are you getting back into the swing of things and and training again yeah so yeah it's been tough uh Hmm. you know with this whole you know, lockdown situation yeah. and COVID like, so right when I had the surgery, you know, your, your muscles just kind of shut, they shut off. I don't know if you've had any injury. Um, and so the whole thing, I'm trying to get my quad back. I'm trying to do all these things. I finally got to the point where I was doing physical therapy three times a week. And then I started doing personal training twice a week on shoulders and core. So I didn't lose that. 
I got to a point where I was doing five days a week and then starting to ride my bike at night. So I was doing two a days and, and I was really pushing it. And then this yeah. whole thing happened and I wasn't allowed to go anywhere. And yeah. so I just had to train myself and you know, it was, it's tough cause I got all the kids here. And, yeah. um, but, but I, I feel like I did a really good job and I'm, I'm back um, doing physical therapy twice a week. And I just started going back um, doing personal training today, but I've been doing some boxing stuff and, and, and trying to like test to see what I can do, what I can't do, what makes me sore, why does it make me sore? So yeah, it's, it's, it's been a, a, a mentally tough injury and I've had a lot of injuries, but this one's just been tough because of how yeah. long it's taken. It's yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like Koscheck blew my knee out. Um, before I fought, I was supposed to fight Eric Silva at UFC 134. And he blew my ACL, meniscus, and uh, MCL, I think it was. Um, and so it was like a trifecta. And it was like 910 days I was out. Like it was three yeah. years three years during my prime. That was that was that big gap I had in my UFC career. So like yeah, I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about, how long it takes to heal, man. Because it would like start healing up. And I was trying to come to Thailand and start working on building a gym. And so I wasn't doing rehab like I should have. That caused more problems, delayed it more. And it was like three years, man, that I had to sit on the sidelines in the middle of my career because of this damn knee injury. So I, I totally can understand the frustration of, of having to heal those things. They, they're just so slow to heal, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I luckily the UFC hooked me up. They, they got me right away at uh, uh, Curlin and Job in L.A. And I had... Nice. You know, Dr. Kavitney did the did the job and and he did a great job. So I, I feel like between that and I did all the things they told me to do and I didn't take any painkillers. Um, yeah, and I, I just used some really mild uh, THC edibles um, consistently. And I because I don't do painkillers, I you know I think it's poison. So yeah. Uh, I was able to, to get through it pretty good and, and so yeah it's a it's a long process and I'm almost there I can't run but I I think my biggest thing I've been doing is I've been biking a lot um, I have a peloton and I I had like uh, I don't do the classes I just do like a free ride and then I I monitor my scores right and so I had a score that I had beat and none of my training partners could beat it for the crone fight and I just annihilated it uh last week but then i I, like strained my calf and my hamstring because (laughs) i was pushing like nine nine uh 90 percent out of 100 uh, resistance and they were like yeah don't do that anymore so yeah be careful i was like all right i'm getting stronger i just need to pull back a little bit and you know see that's that old school mentality man like yeah, I'll tell you, man. I'm 40, but I feel 50 sometimes. So, so, so take it easy, dude. Don't don't overdo it. Um, but yeah, that's good with that low impact, you know, on, on where you can work your legs yeah. without without that pounding of of running on the ground and and even a treadmill, you know. So that's good. That's definitely the the way to go, I think. Yeah. So the only three pieces of equipment I have here at my house, I have a um, Airdyne bike, nice. I have a Peloton, and I have a curved treadmill. Perfect. The really big ones. So, like those three things, they're pretty low impact and, and pushes my cardio. And then, you know, I have I own a couple gyms around here that I can go do the other stuff. But when I'm quarantined, I was able to do my cardio and do the basics. So, I was good. Yeah, you've went through a lot, man. Like, so how many bones have you had broken in your career? Like, do you know? Like, because haven't, uh, you had your, haven't you had your jaw like? 
like like wired shut a couple times and twice yeah jeez man yeah i got flying need and practice by melvin gallard and then i got jeez. my jaw broken when i fought holloway so and then so yeah i've had when melvin need me hit me right here in the cheekbone and it crushed my cheekbone into pieces it broke my orbital my nasal and my upper jaw so like right or like right along my lip i got hit and when i took my mouthpiece out my all my teeth just in a row were kind of moving in mm-hmm. and i was like man that's that's not right that's not good yeah <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like it didn't knock me out or anything i was just like man i got a headache yeah. and so i went and got looked at and they said yeah you just crushed your cheekbone they were surprised I could still see because uh, my eye was completely red. Um, but, yeah, I had no problems with, with my eyes. But I do – I have a plate right here. I have two plates right here. Uh, had the two broken jaws. I've had uh, 11 broken hands. I got a plate here, plate here, plate here. You're, like, yeah. kind of like Iron Man, dude. I wish I had some plates yeah. in my career, dude. <laughs> I needed them. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. I mean – that sucks everyone's though, you afraid had some the, yeah everyone's afraid to get the plates but uh, all the plates that i got i had somebody that was pretty good and i've never had problems with them they ache good. but there's one uh my left hand you could see my knuckles like way down yeah. i broke this one six times and it's too close to the knuckle so they don't want to do it but if i would have had a plate here i would have only broken it once so it's like yeah. I'd rather have the plate. I remember talking to Melvin, who you just mentioned, and like he's like the same way. With like his hands have been broke so many times, his knuckles are like shoved back midway midway to his wrist. <laughs> I remember like yeah. seeing his, we were like fighting on the same card one time, and we were waiting to weigh uh, to do our checks or weigh in or something. And he was talking to me, and like his knuckles were like back here, and I was just like, wow. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah it's crazy. Are, you guys are tough, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I love asking guys like you, like these old school guys that's been in it for so long, you know, not chasing the fame and money as much like the newer generation. What is it that got you into this? Like when, when did you start martial arts and then when did you decide, okay, this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to compete in this. Yeah. So I was, I played soccer my whole life. I thought, that's what I would do. I even like was on the, I made it to like the state qualifiers for the Olympic development program. And then I hadn't made it to the nationals yet because I broke my leg in half in high school (laughs) playing soccer. And so that kind of derailed that. And then I started getting into trouble. Um, I had a rough teen years, uh, ended up going to juvenile hall. And so when I got out, the only thing I could do was play soccer at my local junior college. And so I walked on and I was a starting forward at 17. Um, but right after that, me and my brothers had to move out of my mom's house and get our own place and get a job and pay. I never had a job before. I never had to pay rent before and do all these <laughs> things. I was, I was still 17. And, and uh, so that was all new. And so doing that and and you know doing my schoolwork wasn't you know that was like the last thing on my mind so i didn't play another year of soccer 
And so I just kind of partied for a few years with my with my friends and was getting into trouble, like not getting into the trouble I was getting in before because I just told myself I'd never go back to juvenile hall or jail or anything. And um, I just knew I would wake up feeling like side aches and drinking too much. And I just, yeah. man, I feel like a piece of crap. I need to do something differently. And so I, my friend told me about this place that had Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I'll do it. Sure. I was in my mind. I thought I was going to go do something like Taekwondo. And I thought, you know, only black belts are probably going to beat me up because the rest of these guys are guys are nerds. You know, like you see a lot of the guys that do martial arts. There's a lot of nerds that can do a kata, but they can't really fight. Yeah. So I I thought with my athleticism, I do fine. So I went into this jujitsu place and saw that they were fighting on the ground. And I was like, this is different. And, and, a white belt and a blue belt just rolled me up and I was like, wow, this is, this is crazy. This is some legit stuff. How have I never, I've never heard of this. I've never seen it anywhere. Um, so I was baffled. And from that point on, I just kind of went with it. And, um, uh, it, it, from that point on, I never did a hard drug in my life. I mean, I was at that point I had smoked speed, crack, uh, Coke, uh, acid, like, like I, I just didn't get fucked, you know? Yeah. And um, at that moment, it's been since that moment, I haven't done a hard drug. But no painkillers. And I say hard drug because THC. Yeah, I don't do painkillers. But no painkillers. <laughs> so you did all yeah. that. You did all that, but then you said painkillers are poison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because I took painkillers when I've had a couple of my injuries, and they made me feel worse, you know? Yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. They gave me Percocet and liquid codeine when I had my whole face thing yeah. and i'd wake up at two in the morning and dry heave in the toilet for three hours yeah. and i was like pain this i'll take pain i can yeah. i can handle pain but you're gonna give me like i don't want these side effects yeah i'd right. much rather have pain because for me you know we're a little crazy we're wired different if yeah. i don't feel pain then i'm gonna go to the gym so i need the pain to let me know like oh you're you're hurting you need to be in bed you need to be at home because yeah. if i'm like if I took something and it made me feel like, oh, I can go to the gym, I can do this. And they're like, no, no, you can't. So yeah. I, I need to feel that. I need to know where I stand. Yeah, I agree with you, man. Like when, when you find yourself fighting in a cage for a living against other men, uh, you know, somewhere down that, that path, you veered off, you know, we, we veered off the path a little bit somewhere, you know, to, to find ourselves inside of a yeah. cage, especially back in like 2000, 2002, three, four, you know, when, when there was plenty of other options and getting in cages and fighting people. Um, yeah. so I, de I definitely know what you're talking about. Trust me, man. I, I second guessed a lot as I was walking out, uh, to fight guys <laughs> with like cut off shorts and Mohawks many times yeah. to drunk fans that were throwing beer cans at us. So, See, uh, but it's it's that moment right there that I always told my students, because I've been coaching people for like most of my career as well. Um, and I would always tell my students, I would, I would always tell the other students that when someone was on the fence about fighting, that you, that they have to make that choice yeah. because even when someone's good and you know, they don't believe in themselves and you're like, dude, you're good. Like you can't push them because at that moment when they're walking out, they're not confident because they're like, I didn't even want to do this. Yeah. These, these motherfuckers pushed me into it, you know, like yeah. for, for me, every time I felt that way, like, man, I could be somewhere else. I, this is, why am I doing this? <laughs> I'm at a club in Tijuana 
you know? Yeah, exactly. you exactly. like, what am I doing here? <laughs> but at that moment, I always told myself, hey, look, you asked for this. Yeah. You want to be tough and you want to ask this promoter and say, hey, give me this fight. And you sign the dotted line. You got to do it. Even if you get beat up, you got to do it. You ask for it. So I always just told myself that. And so right, my- the people that get talked into it, I feel are always going to be in a bad situation at that moment and go, yeah. man, I never wanted to do this in the first place. Yeah, it was for me, it was more like just who I would fight and under the circumstances. I knew I wanted to fight. You know, I, when I was eight years old, I was in Taekwondo. I didn't want to do the forums. I didn't want to break the boards and, and stuff like that. I wanted to spar all the time. So there was no doubt in my mind I wanted to fight. Um, but when I would walk out to some of these, like, cause I, I was like you, I fought on like Indian reservations and like, you know, all these things and you know, auditoriums from schools when they were closed on the weekend and, and rodeo arenas yeah. and, and everything else. And I, and for me, it was like in the beginning, the, 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 the questions came in when I'm like walking out and I'm looking at the crowd and that's who, that's who I'm entertaining. And, you yeah. know, it's, it's these crazy guys drunk throwing beer cans and I'm fighting a guy, like I said, like, you know, cut off shorts, Mohawk and, you know tattoos everywhere and you know nothing nothing against tattoos but back then you know it's like intimidating you know and i'm i have no tattoos you know so it's like yeah. you know and, and i'm walking out there and i'm just like what in the hell am i doing man like why am i fighting in this situation at a rodeo arena with these guys that don't even seem like they i mean this isn't like an audience that's going to sit there and clap you know when you do good there yeah. you know so i was just like what the hell am i doing and then my problem was, is I would go in there and then I would win. And then once I, once I would win that fight, then it would be like, ah, oh, yeah. I didn't even care yeah. about who the audience was. I didn't care about anything else. It was just the alpha of like getting that win and, and beating that person that was trying to beat me. And so that's what kept me going uh, through those rough years of just fighting any and everybody anywhere. And then it took me to the point where the fights got a lot more lucrative. They got a lot more exciting and a lot more, mm-hmm. you know, rewarding. And so that's kind of what, what kept me going. So there's never a question about fighting, but there was definitely some questions of like, damn, what, <laughs> why, yeah. am I, why am I fighting here? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and then when I'm looking ahead at like the UFC, you know, the UFC at that time was like, borderline if it wasn't it was borderline banned i mean i don't don't know exactly the timeline but it's like banned and like the best fighters in the world are getting like twenty thousand a fight twenty five thousand. so it wasn't like there was nothing in the you know in the future that's going to like make me a millionaire but i just wanted to fight and get the respect to being the best that i could be and and so that people could respect me in that regard and then hopefully jump onto something else you know later on after after the fighting career was over with so yeah that's that's crazy man but but hats yeah. off to you for, for, for fighting like you did. Um, what, what was one of the biggest wins so far of your career where like you, maybe not the biggest win for, uh, like in your USC career headed toward a goal, but like just where you just felt like, wow, like, you know, I, I'm proud of myself and, and, and this is, you know, this is what I've, this yeah. is why I got into it. This is why I went through all that hard work and, and, and trained for so long. Uh, there's so many, you know, <laughs> People ask me this so question guys. a lot, and I and I I tell people there's every every fight's a different story, you know. I I, I posted about it recently. I fought one time uh, a week before the fight. I broke my hand uh, after training. I was drilling, and my training partners got a little bit, you know. I you know when you're peak shape and you're just like you're on point, and you're you're moving, you know, and you, you look good, and sometimes. If it's not like a really good training partner, they get a little bit like, you know, they get their feelings hurt, you know. Yeah. 
and you're like, dude, I'm not trying to like prove anything. I'm just trying to make sure I'm ready for the fight. Um, and so I ended up getting taken down up against the fence and my finger got caught in the cage, uh, and I broke my, my hand. Um, and so my, my hand blew up and I decided to fight and I went into the fight just freaking out, just knowing that I had a broken right hand and I, I had a powerful right hand. So I'm like, all right, I'm like, who do you think you are going to fight at this level with, with a jab and, and kicks, you know, like, so, but going in there and winning the fight, like that, that was huge mentally, you know, and then, you know, my Duho Choi fight, uh, I was an underdog in the fight. He had been sleeping everybody in the first round. Uh, it was 18,000 people in the arena. I was backstage with Cowboy. And, um, um, I was with Tim and uh, Lando. It was like all the guys from Jackson's all in one, in, in one uh, like locker room. And it was so tense. Everybody yeah. was so tense it was crazy and i was the first one that was supposed to set it off so i'm like <laughs> yeah. you know and then i got fight of the night for that but i got fight of the year for that one and but after all that my wife told me we were having our first kid so that one was wow. like that night is just incredible and then this last fight with crone is yeah. was 15 years i've held a grudge against him you know and it's funny because I don't think he ever really thought twice about me. Um, but going back to my story of how I got into it, I was I was training under a Joe Marrera brown belt, and I started being able to kind of beat him when I was a blue belt. So I mean, he was he was a great instructor, but I felt like like I was able to catch up to him really quick, you know. And he's a super good dude. My really sad my. He was uh, he passed away. He was actually murdered. My my jujitsu instructor um, wow. like a couple years ago, and they still haven't found who did it. He literally got executed at his front door. Um, so you know I've been having that on my on my shoulders for years. But he was my instructor, and he used to he encouraged me. He was he was one of the best instructors I ever had. Uh, and I used to just go to jujitsu tournaments, and I would go enter myself and he never came because he worked on air conditionings um all day and then he trained jiu-jitsu at night so he wasn't going to come with me and you know it was just a passion for him and so i would call him and say hey i won this tournament hey i won this tournament so i went to a tournament called the pan ams and he everyone told me not to go because i literally just got my blue belt and they only allow blue belts and up and they were saying everyone who, who's competing is about to be a purple you shouldn't go. And I only been training one year. So when I went, there was like 50 something people in my division. And I submitted everybody that I went against. I won. And so I called him on the way home. My, my old coach Ramon. And I was like, I, I won. And he just didn't believe me. I had to like come home and show him the medal. See, I, I won the Pan Ams. So the very next tournament I went to was the U S open. And that's when I went against Kron. And he was 17, I think, and I was 20. And uh, we had an epic battle, but I wasn't getting any points. Yeah. And so I lost by one point, <laughs> and I was like, I was really annoyed. And so uh, I used to read all, I used to, do uh, you remember the Abu Dhabi uh, website? Abu yeah. Dhabi, they, they used to have like... ADC Combat or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So... 
uh, Kid Pellegro, who I was yeah. a big fan of because he wrote all the books. Mm-hmm. He wrote this big article on how Cron Gracie beat the Pan Am champ, and it crushed me. Like, yeah. like I'm from a, I'm from Palm Springs. Like, there's literally two jiu-jitsu schools in town. My instructor's a brown belt. Like, I've never even rolled with black belts at that point. Like, like I, I was I was just a kid from nowhere, and then I went against him, and then like tried to brag about beating me. So it just crushed me. Like, mm-hmm. and then I I wrote Kid Pellegro a pretty nasty email because I was just coming off of being a, you know. A, a punk kid um and then i started getting people coming into my gym saying hey man um our instructor told us to tell you that hey you should probably stop talking or you're gonna get banned from competitions and i was just like like screw you guys you know so i stopped competing after that pretty much uh especially in the gi and uh yeah that was when i was 20 years old i'm 36 now so i i always you know, had a thing against Crone and um, just for that. And, and and the funny thing is, is I don't think he ever really cared because he didn't, you know, he's got the pressure living up to his dad and his grandfather and his whole family. Right. Like, like, I don't know what that's like, you know, but I just was upset that his story meant more to the jiu-jitsu community than me. And I'm like, well, why doesn't my story matter? Like, you just yeah. get to step on me, you know? So that's how I took it, and I was bitter about it. So when they offered me the fight, I was like, yeah, I'll fight him. And then uh, they they asked me, they were like, why, why? And I was like, well, we have a little bit of a history. And they were like, really? And the UFC likes to, to book me fights when they know I'm motivated. So yeah. they, they were happy about it. Yeah, well, I think a, a, a sweep with three judges saying 37, uh, I mean, a 27-30 score is – you settled it, I think. I think that yeah. was. Uh, I think you could close that chapter now. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's good. Because I, I mean, heard... I was such a big jujitsu fan. I mean, I still am. Like, I know the history of the Gracies. I watched all the Gracie in actions. I, yeah, you know, I like this. I watched Murillo Bustamante videos. You know, anything people would give me. So they're all old cassette tapes. This is before YouTube. You know, this is what I try yeah. to tell people. When now that you have YouTube, you have no excuse not to get good. One, a couple training partners and YouTube, like you, you can, you can get good enough to make it to like a big gym and succeed. When we were coming up, like you had to go to seminars and you had like yeah. no people and people were being like, Hey, don't look at my stuff. These are secret moves, you know? So it's a, it's a different environment. I remember there was a website before YouTube and they had, there was this one guy that had like a collection of fight tapes. And and he had this long list on his website of every like the Gracies and every rare, you know, the super brawls and the was it like Brudo? I don't know, but you could buy them from him, and then he would mm-hmm. see the VHS of these fights, and I would just buy those fights, man, because it was like the Graces in action, or it was like yeah. these Super Brawl, whatever it was from Hawaii when it was uh, yeah. th- that event super in Hawaii. Brawl. You know, it was all these different events that like you you didn't have access to see. But he had them all on VHS tape. He was a collector, and he would trade too if you had certain fights or whatever. So he had this massive collection, and that's how I got to see all those old school fights. Was like through that. Um, but going back to to Kron real fast, uh, when you were training for Kron, I heard this. Is this true that it was hard for you to to find training partners to train for him because he was a Gracie? It was, was yeah. that difficult. Tell me about yeah. that a little bit. Well, I go I go and bounce around and train at a bunch of schools and. 
the the Gracie schools that I you know would go to, they just they told me, hey, for everybody involved, it's probably best you don't train here for this fight. And I I was a little offended, and you know it's mm-hmm. like like man, at this day and age, I'm still we're still getting this, and it just it just lit the fire because it reminded me of why I didn't I had the beef with them in the first place, mm-hmm. and uh, it just was like man, these politics, like I like oh you're gonna single me out, like yeah. like I know he he trains boxing. I'm gonna have my boxing coach make some phone calls and say, hey, if you don't, if you train him for this fight, we're gonna like block you from from being in the sport of boxing. Like, do you want to play this game? You know, but that's petty, you know. But yeah. but that's that's the, how how it felt, you know. And and yeah, so I I was asked not to come to some schools and 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 um, I I found out where it came from and it's it's way up there, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah of course. They they just said that. You know, it's it's best that he doesn't come here. And, and I've been back to these schools, and they're all cool. But just for that fight, they didn't want me to come. So I had to go back to Palm Springs. And my jiu-jitsu instructors, I'm I'm his most famous uh, 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 student. But there was a kid that that's younger than me, uh, Hurricane we call him, and and I got him into it. So I he was like very popular in high school, played sports and stuff. And I was like, man, you got to do jujitsu. Cause so my instructor told me he wouldn't charge me because I hadn't, you know, not a lot of money. If I brought in people and signed them up all the time, I would, didn't have to pay. And if I signed up enough people, he would start giving me like geese and, and like products and stuff. So he hooked, he used to give me geese and I would tell him, no, no, no. I, to me, it's more training partners. So he was one of them. Hurricane was one of them. And he's like phenomenal. Uh, really good black belt in the desert. Not a lot of people know who he is because he's just, you know, down there. He competes here and there. And uh, but but yeah, he's he, he's really good. So I, I brought him in for the camp and, you know, he beat me up a lot. So I was it made me nervous <laughs> for the fight. I was like, there's no way that he's this good. As good as the guy I was going with. Yeah, and I didn't, I didn't think so. So I still don't think so. I feel like my my buddy Hurricane is is a monster that just people don't know about. It's crazy, man. Yeah, a lot of we we switch off in training at AKA like through the years. Like we would have we would have to spar multiple guys. So we'd have one round with like say me and Fitch. Second round would yeah. be like a fresh cost check. Third round would yeah. be like a fresh Jake Shields or something. So like I I spent most of my last couple of weeks of training camp just getting the shit beat out of me man and like yeah. the confidence was still there because like I knew that I wasn't going to be fighting three of the top 5 fighters yeah. in the world but it was still like you know it was like damn man like I I got the shit beat out of me like in every area yeah. you know between these guys but you got to take it and go but but let me ask you a quick question since you since you're such a big fan of the old school kind of you you were watching the graces in action i'm sure you've seen the valet tudo japans and stuff like that mm-hmm. how was it was it any different or was there any cool factor or was there any any feeling in at all when you looked across the uh the octagon for this crown gracie fight you saw hicks and gracie yeah it, it was it was pretty cool uh i was focused on the fight and i wish i could have like talked to him after because I am a big fan, but yeah. I felt like maybe he didn't want to talk since, you know, the, the, you know, there was a little bit of trash talk, but I mean, like I, one of the biggest, like, one of the happiest moments when I was younger, I was at one of the uh, tournaments and I got to take a picture with Helio. Yeah. Um, so it's like, 
like man i've been a fan of the family forever like yeah. so so you know it was it was awesome but you know i gotta focus on the fight and, and after i was like man that was pretty cool you know that yeah. that i was able to do that and, and you know with hickson being there and everything but yeah I, probably not my biggest fan yeah no and the good thing is he's tough man he's a good fighter you know so i mean it's not like he's gonna just 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 you know go away i mean he's a tough fighter yeah. he, he he took a lot of damage he kept coming forward um he's got the heart of a, of a warrior so it's not like you know he's not going to be able to to keep moving forward but you did have a dominant yeah. performance i wanted to ask you real fast i didn't uh clarify when when i asked you about your training in the beginning but how old were you when you when you got into jujitsu and so when you kind of started your martial arts what what age was that if, if you said maybe 19. I missed it. okay so you were 19 I was 19, so, and, and, and so I had one year, and I turned pro at 20. So you had no martial arts training before that? Nothing. Just, just wow. played soccer. Cool, man. And then you yeah, just got yeah. into jiu-jitsu, and like, we're like just, just addicted. Yeah, I mean, I had like maybe like 80 matches, jiu-jitsu matches, before I fought. And then I even did a Muay Thai fight before I, before <laughs> I fought MMA because it was all I could get because I started training with a a guy in, in Palm Springs that knew like Kung Fu and Muay Thai, like all these things. And I was like, well, I want to learn Muay Thai. And he's like, yeah, but I'll teach you Kung Fu and everything. So it probably wasn't the best for me, uh, but I was hitting pads and stuff like that, but I had never sparred and I got a fight at, uh, I fought Toby Greer, who I can't stand. Uh, I fought Toby Greer uh, at full uh, rules Muay Thai, just no elbows. Mm-hmm. at Hollywood Park Casino and I had never sparred before and oh, wow. so he ended up catching me with a head kick in like the second or third round because he kept leg kicking me and I was trying to kill him and he ended up catching me with a head kick and uh and I lost that fight I got TKO'd and then I, I had finally had my first MMA fight and I fought Shannon Gugarty who was a Dean Lister guy who was really good at jiu-jitsu and so I was a Joe Moreira guy, a Dean Lister guy, and he beat me in 30 seconds. I got choked. So then everyone was telling me, like, man, you know, maybe it's not for you. And it just made me super pissed and, and uh, just made me train harder. And I won 11 in a row after that. And I didn't lose again until I fought Jens Pulver. Yeah. Yeah, he was a beast back then, too. Um, yeah. Your kick, your kicks are good, man. I, and even in the cron fight, you were using good leg kicks and tip, tip kicks and stuff like that. But if you happen to want to train some more Muay Thai, more specifically on an island in Thailand, I might know of a place you can go to. And you're more than welcome to come and enjoy some nice Muay Thai training and some beaches and some nice weather. And so I'm just, just putting it out there. If you, if you decide it's you want been, to train a little more Muay Thai. A- it's been a lifetime goal to get to Thailand, so I, w- I would absolutely love it. Um, yeah, man. But yeah, I, w- I would love to. Uh, yeah, that sounds it sounds nice. We'll stay in touch, man. And when you get the time, I want to get you out here uh, and, yeah. and let you see the gym and everything and show you Phuket. All right, guys, I want to take a second to thank our sponsor, AKA Thailand, the world's premier luxury training facility here in Phuket, Thailand. Uh, we are still currently holding our 30% reopen special. If you book ahead, uh, the quarantine uh, is, is starting to let up a little bit. Um, we're looking to open possibly June 15th, which is only a few weeks away from now. Um, I'm not sure how long the sale is going to last at 30% off, but you can go to akthailand.com. And as long as the pricing page is still set up, you still save the money. Uh, you can book any group training for any period of time, a week to a month to a year. 
Um, all group training is 30% off. There's no expiration date. You can transfer it. If later on you don't want to come and you want to send your friend, no problem. Send us an email. We'll change the name of the POS. Um, again, no expiration. So, if you, you know, whenever you want to come. And uh, if you have any questions, email us at info at akthailand.com. And if you're not familiar with AK Thailand, here's the video for you. What's up, everybody? I am here in Thailand. This is the first time I've ever been here. Been dying to come here for years. The great Mike Swick. He's one of the big reasons he's been trying to pull me down here. What he built down here, AKA Thailand, is incredible. There's people here from all over the world. You can train mixed martial arts here, jujitsu. They have weightlifting, they have cardio, and obviously they have Muay Thai, boxing, everything. telling you guys, I know everybody wants to go to Thailand because Thailand's so cool, but you can't come to Thailand without coming to AKA Thailand. Come on. Was there, was there a fighter so far? I mean, you fought so many people, it's hard to imagine, but has there been a fighter that you really wanted to fight uh, just stylistically or for any reason that you just haven't been able to match up against yet? I mean, I'm the kind of person who wants to fight everybody. Yeah, uh, but there's not that there's not some reason why you want to fight like a specific person and just never have. Uh, let's see. I mean, honestly, I just wanted to fight for the title. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. That one got away from me a few times. Uh, probably Connor when. Yeah, that'd be a big one. When he was a 45er, he I was one of the first people he really tried to pick on. And we almost got into it a couple times, once in Ireland and once in, in Vegas. And he would just come up to me and talk shit, you know? And I'm like, dude, like, I, like you know, we may fight, we may not, but like to come over here and sit next to me and start talking shit, like, I'm not like gonna make it seem like we're just gonna fight. Yeah. And uh, we both stood up and it got broken up. And I'm just like, man, I just don't like this dude, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause, you know, I came in, I came into the sport because I wanted to become a better person because I had started to become a little shit, you know, and I, yeah. and I just, I wanted to be a better person. My ultimate goal when I decided to pursue fighting was look, my, my, uh, step grandpa used to tell me about stories of him boxing in the army and, and he would tell me he got beat up all the time and he would make jokes and it was hilarious. Right. But I just thought how cool it was that he was like fearless and so I, I just thought to myself, like, at the end of the day, if I have cool stories to tell my grandkids, like, like that, that's cool. I'm cool with that. Yeah, of course. That, that's what kind of made me try it. And then when the Ultimate Fighter happened, I had already uh, had a pro fight. And I was like, I was like, I don't see how this sport isn't the most popular sport in the world. I think people are just being dumb and they'll eventually – They'll, they'll get it. They'll understand. And when the Ultimate Fighter happened and they had good ratings, I was like, this this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And when my career, you know, takes off, that's when then the sport will be growing big. So I, I, I thought about it like that, like a smart business decision. Like, I, I think this is more important than going to college for me. Right. So. 
Well, yeah. since you've since you've made such a name in fighting and you've done so much and you've you've won so many big fights and stuff, what is it that you want to do after fighting? Like, what's your end game? Like, what what do you what do you see yourself doing when this is all over? And as far as the the competing aspect, and and then finishing up your your life. Um, I try to stay open minded because I don't know what I'm going to do 100. percent I I own a couple of gyms, um, and I, I've dabbled in real estate. I have another house, you know, I, I've been pretty good. I, I was fortunate enough to see a lot of fighters blowing a lot of money yeah. when I didn't have any. And, <laughs> and so that always made me remember, like, don't be that guy. You right. know? And, and like, literally it's been a fear of mine. I'm like, man, what, what's worse than becoming a great fighter and having nothing to show for Like to me, that's like a failure in itself. You know, it's like, making it as hard of it but staying on top you know financially is is how you make a transition and you continue to be successful not just at one thing you know so like kobe bryant is somebody i i looked up to you know magic johnson people that made more money after you know so um i i I definitely want to do public speaking i definitely want to train guys like I, i still do i love it i love you know sharing what i the knowledge i've I've occurred over the years and, and, you know, talking to guys about the mental side of the game and all that. Um, but I, I may get a job. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see if I can do, if I can make a good living with just doing like public speaking and training guys and, and, and doing little things here and there, then, then I'll be good. But if I have to get a regular job, then I, I don't mind, you know, I've, I've never, I've never thought of myself as being famous or being like too cool. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a normal person. I can work a regular job if I needed to, you know, I feel like I don't think I'm nothing special. Just somebody that worked really hard and and was successful because I I didn't give up. Well, you definitely are special, man. And you're super humble. I mean, I think, I think that would be an awesome thing with your, your background and, and how you took yourself from, from where you were to where you are now and in yeah. such a positive way and impacted people. Um, I think that's super, super important. And I think you could definitely be a good public speaker, man. Like, well, thank uh, you. I mean, I, I go talk to the kids at juvenile hall that I was in like often. I just did a Skype one um, a couple of days ago or last week. And uh, they have me come in there all the time. And, and uh, it's, that's, that's, you know, benefit for me because I get to, I get to remember where I was and it's the same place. They're wearing the same uniforms, you know, it's, it's surreal. And I'm like, Hey man, I was right there. And, uh, it could be frustrating though. Cause I'll try to drop some knowledge on these guys. Like, man, I, I've, I've literally had conversations with billionaires and, you know, met, met my heroes and they recognized me before I met them, you know, like, yeah, like that's cool. I've been on sports center and I've been in video game, you know, like I've, I've been able to do some cool stuff that I've been very fortunate. And I try to give them some knowledge and they're like, you ever been knocked out? <laughs> you know, it's like the questions you're like, oh, yeah. like, come on, man, ask me something that's going to change your life. Don't ask me yeah. something, petty, you know, but, yeah, yeah. you know, that's that's where their mind is at, you know. And so it reminds me of how far it's taken me from when I was that age to where I am now to evolve, 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 you know. Yeah. Yeah. I was speaking of the, what you said before, as far as guys blowing money, man, it was the same thing when I was coming up and that's why I put everything into business 
and try to do it the smart way. And I had to learn the hard way too, you know, I mean, I, yeah. because the problem, the problem is with fighters. And I think a lot of sports in general, if anyone wants to take from this, it's, it's watching and listening that, that are up and coming fighters. Um, you only think positive when you're a fighter and you're winning fights, you only think you're going to get better and make more money. Am, am I wrong on that? Like, like you, yeah. so, so when you're making like maybe you make 50 grand or a hundred grand, whatever it is, you assume you're going to at least keep making that or more. So it's like that, that's your mindset all the time. So when yeah. you're out there spending money or deciding to do this or do that, that that's that mindset you have. And I think that's probably the same with a lot of fighters, but in reality, it takes one fight to change that, you know, or an injury mm -hmm. or something like that. And then, and then all that gets taken away. So it's like, yeah. it's super smart, man, when you're coming up, especially till you hit 40, I think 40 is when you, you start focusing on, on, on that, that all, you know, alternative career and stuff. But until 40, I think it's smart to just put your money where it's going to benefit you. And, and like you, you did with your, your, your gyms and your the houses and stuff. But like, a lot of a lot of people don't do that, man. They live that fast life and and just buy all the the fancy stuff because they think they're going to be the next Conor McGregor or whatever, and yeah. and then it and then all of a sudden it goes away, and then now you have all these bills to pay, and it goes fast. You know, it goes yeah. super fast. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's so many lessons to be learned. I, sometimes I, you know, you you get away and you can really think, and and there's been times I've been able to really think and go, okay, how can I do better? How can I do better? And I do that about everything. Yeah. And one of the ways I wanted to coach better is I, I was like, you know what? I've had a lot of guys that have done really well that exceeded my expectations of where I thought they would be, you know, like guys that just had no athletic ability, but won a championship in a small organization. And I'm like, mm -hmm. they're, I don't think they're going to make it to the UFC, but I wouldn't tell them that because yeah. I wouldn't ruin their dream. And I, I'm telling them like, Hey, you could go as far as you want and guys like that. And then they retire and maybe get a little down on themselves because they don't know what they want to do with their life. But I, I feel like as coaches, we maybe need to do a better job at translating those gym lessons to life. It's like, man, you were coming in the gym and fighting people every day just to prove you were the man. Like, right. and you can't do that at your new job. Yeah. Just exactly. because you're, because you have a negative thought. You you studied film and you you did all these things that you were willing to go the extra mile for, but you won't like study for your new job and think like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe I should do some research and, and, and attack it the way I did fighting like like you ran eight miles every day like you were a monster, but you won't do these things like it just doesn't translate for them. And I, I feel like I, I need to do a better job at coaching guys into that, you know, knowing like, yes. It's about fighting. This is what we're doing. But remember, these these are life lessons, you know, wins, losses, you know, what how you spend your money, how you respond to somebody, you know. And, and I mean, that's why I'm not with all the, the crap talking, um, yeah. you know, the 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 Colby's and the, you know, Cejudo's like guys that are great, but just they want the success now and they're willing to just kind of sell their souls. That's the way I see it, you know. Yep. Like, man, I don't want to be remembered for that. I don't want to be – I always said I don't want to be walking my kids to school one day and go, oh, man, you were such an asshole. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, hey, I was playing a part. Like, well, then why would you do that? You know, like be true to who you are. Tell your story. Like fight hard. That's it. And it doesn't, it doesn't translate to business either, man. Like, 
I mean, if you look at Connor, like he's hurting his business every time he does something stupid. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't translate to business. So a lot of these guys are taking this approach to like, you know, be this crazy heel and, and, and be disrespectful and just to get the attention so they can have a better fight career. And then when the fight yeah. career is over, it doesn't translate. I mean, whether you're doing public speaking or whether you're doing some other type of business, you're, you know, you're running gyms or you're, you're, you're getting into other things. It doesn't translate. People don't have that respect for you as much, you know, and not even mentioning yeah. your children and your family and, and things like that. So I, that was a, that was a give or take I had because I was on the ultimate fighter and, and I wasn't controversial. I wasn't trying to like be the showboat and I didn't get much attention for it. You know, I wasn't like yeah. a superstar coming off the ultimate fighter. And even throughout yeah. my career, I had to win fights by knockout and, and earn it yeah. that way because I wasn't out there like running my mouth and stuff. But I would rather take that trade any day of the week now that I have the respect that I do from from my peers and from so many people that I that I associated with in my career and now in mm -hmm. business because they don't look at me as this asshole whether you know a lot of these guys aren't even assholes and some of them obviously are but yeah. they don't look at me that way because I never projected that. So you're you're so correct with that, man. I think you're you're on the yeah. right track, and and you sound like a motivational speaker already, man. And I think this interview is really <laughs> going to show that, man, because you're you're very inspirational, man, for sure. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I, I practiced a little bit. I, I was terrible, but I, I've done everything from talk to kids. I've talked to 13 year old kids that are on death row to, wow. to read school books to elementary school. <laughs> yeah, you know so. I've, I've done a lot of different talks, but yeah, I, I just enjoy it because any way I can motivate anybody, I just think it's cool. I, I think, sure. uh, I think I have a, a cool story and, and I, I always felt like a moral obligation to share it because I feel like I have, there's people that dedicate their lives to helping kids being social workers and things like that. And they don't have the story I do. And I could, they'll listen to me because I'm cool. You know, I'm a fighter. And then I came from somewhere that was very hard. So I'm like, man, if you don't go and, and get over your fear, because public speaking is something that I never wanted to do. I was I was a super shy kid and I didn't like being in the spotlight, <laughs> strangely enough. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's something I had to get better at over the years. But but may I add that you and Forrest Griffin were my favorite on Ultimate Fighter uh by oh, far cool. i, I you, like man, the, i like your both both your personalities and i've gotten to know forrest quite a bit over the years he's hilarious uh but yeah we never talked uh i think maybe maybe one or two times briefly but uh yeah you were one of my favorites still one of my favorites thanks man so somebody noticed me on the ultimate fighter and it's actually somebody that i i admire and look up to too so i appreciate <laughs> i should appreciate that yeah, um, yeah, you know, like like Koscheck, <laughs> I was a, I'm a fan of his, but I didn't like his act, like the way yeah. they portrayed him on the show. You know, um, trying to think, I think Bobby Southworth was he kind yeah. of one of the other ones being a kind of a a prick. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I just didn't like that. You know, I where I came from, we only bullied bullies. You know, yeah, like we we had we got into fights with people that wanted. That, that we had problems with, but I didn't never pick on anybody for no reason. I just thought that was petty, you know? Yeah, it's funny because, like, on the TV show, like, uh, Bobby Southworth was, you know, he was being a dick on the show with Koscheck and they formed a little thing, but Bobby was my teammate. Koscheck was my teammate too, but we just never trained together. He had just became an AKA guy right before uh, the show. So we never really knew each other that well, but Bobby was my teammate for, for like a while before the TV show. And that put a divide between us because he was doing all that stuff. And then when he started picking on Lieben, 
Lieben was my only loss prior to that show. And it was a devastating yeah. loss to me. And he was disrespectful to me, you know, I, leading, I up, leading, leading up to that. And it was WC, actually, leading up to that and the loss and post-loss and on the TV show. He was disrespectful to me. But at the same time, when, when Bobby and Koscheck started messing with Lieben and going over, overboard, I had Lieben's side. You know, I took Lieben's side and was trying to break it up and, like, you know, like sort it out because – I don't know that, but that just kind of shows you my level of like not trying to get into the controversy. And, and, and I take, I try to take sides of like who's right versus like who I might not like as much. You know what I mean? Cause it, yeah. I'm out of the equation. This, this situation that's going on right now is not about me and it wasn't fair to leave and how he was being treated at that time. So I kind of yeah. took his back, but yeah, that, it's crazy how that kind of worked out and everything. But um, yeah, no, I, I love the I love the way you act, man, and, and your demeanor, and, and I think you're going to be a great motivational speaker. Um, I want to touch on this real fast. So you obviously uh, you watch UFC 249, I'm sure, and uh, some of these fights since then. How was it like? Like, what do you think about those fights being with no audience and and Fight Island and stuff? I don't know your timeline for coming back, but do you think that was a great move? And and are you looking forward to possibly fighting on a, a card like that if this pandemic stays? Or, or yeah. what do you think? What's your thoughts on those fights? Originally, we were – so me and my wife, you know, my wife works for the company too. Yep, and yep. we were both kind of like, man, I, I feel like they're, they shouldn't be putting these on. We were pretty concerned with everything. And we were quarantining because we have kids that have been in the hospital for respiratory, respiratory stuff. Oh, wow. And so it was a concern for us. Um, and she didn't go to work one show before they, they canceled before anybody else she was like i, I don't want to risk it um and i was already injured um but since everything they're the last few cards i've been 100 percent on board i'm like yeah. you know what they're doing the right things um they're trying hard they you know I, my hat's off to them because even in the last financial crisis everybody was hurting and i was still you know like it didn't affect me at all i felt i felt bad for everyone i knew I'm like, I'm like one of the only jobs that's, that's booming, you know? Um, so yeah, yeah. once again, we're in a situation where all the fighters are still able to make money. I think it's awesome. Um, the, yeah. the thing that it's no crowd is, is interesting. Uh, and the every fight that's happened so far, the cards have been brutal. Yeah. And I'm like, is there something to that? It is something. <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird. But yeah, there is something to that, I think. Yeah. Broken orbitals. And, you know, and that's, that's something that I, I've spoke on before that I – I'm not too big on that. When I lost to Frankie the first fight, the first time we fought, um, he, he beat me up real good. And I was it made me question. I had um, vertigo for a few weeks, which I'd never experienced. And yeah. so I remember getting out of bed every day and just kind of like almost falling over. If I ever like leaned over to grab something, I'd fall over. And uh, it just was like, man, it made me kind of rethink being tough, you know, because – if you're tough, you'll make it pretty far in the sport. But when you get to the top, everyone's tough. So if yep. you rely on being tough, you're, you're going to lose some brain cells and, yep. and you're going to have a hard life, you know? Yeah. So it kind of bums me out that our sport isn't too big on throwing in towels. It's all like I've been to some states where they're like, if you throw the towel in, I will throw it back at you. I've heard referees wow. say that. Wow. Um, and I'm like, what? Like. Like in boxing, we see that as kind of brutal, like a, a more brutal sport. And they throw in towels all the time. And, and yeah. their losses mean way more than our losses. In our sport, losses aren't as big of a deal. You bounce back. In boxing, you lose one or two, your career could be over. And they yeah. throw in towels. So it's like 
to me, sometimes I, I think that we need to be better, you know, as a sport. We're still – some aspects of our sport are still from the 90s. You're like, come on. Yeah. We, we don't even have our own scoring system. Yeah, and that you know? damage that you take during these fights, like like boxers obviously have done a lot more research and are ahead of the game on that. Those are long-term, you know what I mean? So it's not yeah. necessarily when you walk out of the ring, it's like you get checked out by the doctor and you're like, oh, he's, he's okay. It's long-term, man. It takes sometimes yeah, years yeah. for that stuff to settle in. What was your thoughts yeah. on that Teixeira fight then as far as the talent should have been thrown been out? I, I, thought, I 100% thought so too. I, I thought it should be stopped. And then I thought that it was a good move by Herzog to apologize because he's a great ref. He was yeah. actually my referee when I fought in Tijuana back in the day. So I've known him yeah. for a long time. Uh, I think he's a great ref, a good person. I thought it was cool he apologized, and I thought Anthony Smith kind of telling him he was wrong for apologizing is is just a fighter being stubborn. Yeah, It's like, dude, because I w- this is the way I explained it. The first round, okay, he, he lost to John, and you fall short. Every fighter has to build up in their mind that I'm the best in the world to fight right. to be, you know, to fight for the belt and think I'm the best in the world. You lost. Okay. I have to be better. So he goes back to the gym, he tries to be better. During those camps, you go, "Man, I'm better than the guy when I fought for the title. I believe that if I get another shot, I will win." And you start to, you know, get that that momentum going, right? In the beginning of that fight, he looked so sharp. I was like, man, he's motivated. He's yeah. better than he was before. This is a this is a new Anthony Smith. And then they kept talking about the pace he was keeping, and I was like, okay, that he is quite a high pace, but he he's in Colorado. He's a high altitude. I wonder if he can maintain it. Then he hit a wall, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, this is bad. And then when he started taking those shots, I'm like, okay. They need to stop this immediately. Yeah. And the and because they didn't stop it, I believe he's like four fights away from mentally being back to where he was. And that's just just my opinion, being a coach myself and being yeah. a fighter as well. When you take a beating like that, he didn't take a beating like that against John Jones, you know. Yeah. So it's like yeah. you now now you set yourself back so far when you you were just the best fighter you had ever been five minutes ago. And now you're, you're, you just took yourself back. And I think his coaches and his coaches are great too, great coaches. But sometimes you 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 really want your guy to to you know get it. So and I don't I don't uh, care what people say as far as like like you know you get a knockout and you 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 celebrate and and everyone's like all right great knockout you know and they don't even think about the fact the guy got knocked out he gets up everything's whatever they, they go back to the locker room but no matter what happens when you take a hit and and get rocked or you get knocked yeah. out you're taking long-term damage i mean it, it's going to be long-term yeah. damage whether, whether it's a small amount that's going to affect you or not you know that's questionable but you're going to yeah. take damage. You are taking damage yeah. that's going to last for the rest of your life to some degree. Um, and then when you're sitting there out there like that with the sheriff punching you over and over and over and over, I think whatever he's, you know, whatever Smith says after that is just irrelevant because he's a fighter. Yeah. He's, he, he, he's going to say what he thinks, but he doesn't know what, what's going to happen yeah. to him in five years or 10 years or whatever yeah. the case is. So, you know, in a fight like that, I thought definitely it should be stopped. And uh, that was just an enormous amount of damage when he could just pick himself yeah. back up and, and, and accept it, come back and, and fight strong the next time. You know, who yeah. knows what's going to happen the next time now, you know, because of, of, a, of a fight like that. Yeah, yeah, you don't. And I mean, 
and I speak from experience because I, so I had the Frankie fight and I got beat up pretty good. And then I just, I was so mad because I was on such a win streak. I wanted to fight again and, and they offered me Holloway and he was on like a nine fight win streak. He yeah. was on a roll. And I was like, yeah, it's fine. He's a stand up guy. I've always done good against taller strikers. Cool. Then he comes out and he fights me a completely different style than I had watched him tape. And, it, and I'm kind of like watching him and he's just firing off and running, firing and running. And I'm just blocking, trying to trying to figure him out. And I'm like, man, I'm losing this fight. So I, I swing as hard as I can just to try to get him to like stop his rhythm. And I shatter my thumb. So then I, I, I'm like, all right, I just keep going. And it was at the very end of the round. So second round we're going in, I'm, I start tagging him with just my jab. I throw a jab, I kind of snap his head back and I follow up with a hook and I miss and he counters me, catches me right in the jaw and breaks my jaw. <laughs> and I'm just like, damn it. And I'm just like, got a broken jaw and a broken, shattered thumb. Gosh. And and I'm like, man, and I shouldn't have kept fighting, but I fought another round and a half because I just, you know, I'm a, a dumb fighter. It's our job is to keep going. You you're know? just a no. You're just a fighter, man. I get that. You, yeah, your, well, you're, your you're, mission uh, when you get out there is to go. You know, to you're, not, you're not out there to stop yeah. or think about reasons yeah. to stop. Those are the guys that quit. And, and I didn't tell my coaches because they kept coming in to check my cuts. <laughs> and I was like, I that. don't want to get the fight stopped. So I just didn't say anything. And they're like, throw yeah. your right hand. And I was like, okay. And I like couldn't <laughs> even move my jaw. And I even fought off like two chokes. And and then I got you know ridiculed for, for the loss. And, and I'm just like, man, fuck you guys. Had a broken jaw, and you know, yeah. it's like, you, you know, you hit you hit a low point, and I I had to take a year off. Yeah. I actually went to Peru with with one of my buddies and did this long hike and and tried to really fall back in love with it, and I did, and I came back stronger. And people were tripping out. They're like, "How'd you come back stronger?" I was like, "Man, I just stepped away from the equation, thought about everything. But when I think about everything, I think about like." I've had my my manager and my coaches like rip me apart. You did this. Why did you do that? And then tell me about what I did wrong. And I go, okay, I understand. I'm sorry. You know, you're right. I, yeah, I, I I fell short. I should have trained harder. I should have this. I should have listened here. But I was like, no, let me let me return the favor. I think that advice you gave me in the second round was was bullshit. I, I didn't like the way you, you did that. I think we need to prepare better for that. Um, for now on, the, when we spar like this, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to do this, this, and this. And I just took more control of my career. I, the whole shark tank thing that you, you said, I used yeah. to, I used to, when I would train with Joe and help him get ready, I used to get shark tanked by him, Tyson Griffin and Gray Maynard. I, like, like, <laughs> and I wasn't even it's in tough. the big show, you know, but now I tell people, no, if I'm going to do all that body work, in a, against my training partner in the first round and then you try to take him away and give me somebody fresh fuck that like no we're gonna go another round i'll go more rounds but i'm gonna spar this guy again he's hurting right now i just did all the work you do in the first round i beat up his body i beat up his legs yeah. now i'm gonna take him out and that's what i would do in the second round i would try to hit him to the body make him quit tap him whatever now give me somebody else don't don't give me that Shark Tank crap, you know, where it's somebody fresh where I'm never winning, you know. Yeah. I need to know that these moves are working. I need assurance, you know. Yeah. So it, it made me completely change the way I train, you know. I 
and it's going to help not, your longevity. It's going to help your longevity too. Yeah, because it wasn't it wasn't safe for us. I mean, that's why we were injured all the time. I'm I'm probably one of the most injured guys. Uh, Dana used to always laugh at me and make jokes and and even when my I, they they did these action figures for the UFC in this first series. And it was like, I was just coming up. I had just won like maybe three or four fights in the UFC or something. And, and Dana's like, we're going to get you on an action figure in this first series. And I mean, there were so many guys way bigger than me, you know? And I was like, holy yeah. shit. I was like blown away. And he's like, but the only issue is we're going to make yours injured because you've missed so many fights. So, so, you know, they all have their own little like thing to them, you know, and yours is going to be injured. And, and he made me think that man, he made me think that for like four months or something. And I was like, I was excited, but like bummed out the whole time until it finally yeah. came out and it wasn't injured. And even when I opened it, I still thought when I opened it, it was like an arm was going to fall off or something like, yeah, he got me good. But, but dude, going back long story short, uh, yeah, the shark tank training and, 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 and the hard training that we did back in the day was where I got the most injured and took the most damage in my career. And like yeah. the longevity is not there for that. So it's good that you got smart. And another person that does that really well is Tyron Woodley. Tyron Woodley yeah. trains a lot smarter now. He's been training with us uh before his fights or well he was supposed to have a fight with with uh edwards but um he's going to start his fight camps with us here in thailand and he came and trained with us twice already and he does the same thing you know he trains smart and not 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 beating himself up so much you know so you know another thing i started doing was i didn't have control of my schedule and i i don't like that because i know my body i know how i feel and i would always like we would do conditioning and then spar the next day and i'm like fuck that like why would i do that i'm a spar when i'm fresh and i only spar when i'm fresh like hard like i'll spar light and do drill and scenarios when i'm tired but if we're gonna spar spar and we're, we're going yeah. hard we're gearing up and going i need to be fresh because absolutely i'm losing brain cells i need to be able absolutely. to move you know so if if i'm gonna do a if i choose one class to do when i'm done it's it's conditioning because you can push through that i'm competing against yep. myself if i lose to myself well yeah i'll do better the next time but if i do terrible sparring i'm i'm getting the crap beat out of me and that right. and that just kills my makes me think am i ready for this fight it, it just creates bad scenarios and, and little mm-hmm. dark clouds that you don't need you know so i'm i just i don't do any of that i i think it's foolish you know i look back and i'm like oh it's good to see you're, you're training smart like that now and, and especially coming from the old school. You, you've managed to get away from those old ways, whereas a lot of the old school guys, they're stuck in that way and they just go, they do it all the way to the end and then they can't walk, you know, and like, it's good to see you make that change and be smart enough to make that change. I think that hard, that hard training is important to weed out the, the weenies, right. you know, the, the, wannabes, yep. the guys that are just trying to be tough. You can weed those guys out. But then once you see like, the thoroughbreds that made it through and you're like, yo, these guys got it. No, let's teach you about your body. Let's teach you about nutrition. Let's teach you about this, 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 this. Let's get you educated. Let me teach you about how to spend your money. Let me teach you about marketing yourself. Let me teach you about how to pick a manager and who to trust and how people are trying to screw you over. You know, like I try to do all that kind of stuff and yeah. uh, practice doing interviews, taking pictures. Like, yeah. like I try to, I try to educate them on everything. Cause there's so much to learn. And I, when I talk to kids, I tell them the same thing. Like you think that doing what I do is just like being tough. Like, man, <laughs> I've had to learn about finances. I've had to, I learned how to play golf just so I could talk to rich people, you know, just so That's I could great. relate, you know, just, just so I could say, Hey man, let's go play. And, and yep. it turned out to be something I really enjoy now, you know, like, 
yeah, there's so much that you could build off of and, and to think narrow mindedly like, oh, yeah, I'm just, you know, you know, there's always going to be a, a Mike Perry and a Chris Lieben and, you know, and yeah. guys that can just knock people out and they're just like, Ugh. Yeah. you know, but I, for the majority of us, you're going to have to learn to be smart. Yeah, man. Well, before I let you go real fast, um, I got to ask you what you thought about uh, Gaethje versus Ferguson. And then how do you think Gaethje is going to match up with Khabib? I'm excited for that fight, you know. It's a crazy uh, fight, I, man. Yeah. I met Gaethje. T- I actually went to his college and wrestled there with him and didn't even know. He just said he did like a throwback Thursday and posted a picture of us. And I was like, he was there. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of crazy to me. Uh, just seeing him before he was even fighting, um, but he's he's an amazing fighter, fighter and always exciting to watch. I thought the fight with with uh, uh, Ferguson was was awesome. Uh, felt bad for for Tony in that one. I feel like they should have stopped that fight a little sooner too. Um, but I, yeah, I'm excited for Gagey against Khabib. I, I I'd like to see Khabib in a hard fight. You know, mm-hmm. I'd like to see him get really, really pushed. So we'll see. But but Khabib's been pretty unstoppable so far. Yeah, I'm biased because, you know, Khabib's AK and everything. But I've always said, even before the Ferguson fight, that, that Gaethje's going to be, I think, one of his toughest fights um, yeah. and, and most scary fights for us to have. Um, and it's like the most like the most perfect example and the biggest example of like a striker versus a grappler. I mean, you're talking about a yeah. devastating striker who throws from all different angles, super hard, and doesn't doesn't care about getting hit, versus a grappler that's relentless. And if he gets you down, it's gonna, you know what I mean? Like it, it's a literally yeah. just such a a whole nother level of grappler versus striker match, you know? Um, yeah. So that's gonna be. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see it too, and that's definitely gonna be a test for Khabib to. To, to secure yeah. himself if he beats Gaethje I think he definitely secures himself as is uh yeah. the best you know that, that's and, ever I definitely don't want to see Connor and Khabib that fight yeah not again no interest in it I don't know why they talk about it like I want I want I like seeing good matchups you know I want to yeah. see I want to see Connor fight uh Masvidal I want to see him fight the good strikers you know like like let, let's see those fights um uh, you know I I I generally am not a fan of the opposite style fights that they, they you know, our sport is built on striker grappler. Cause they don't, you know, a lot of times they can be snooze fest, but, yeah. uh, but that one in particular, I, I don't think will be. Yeah. No, I agree with you a hundred percent. I think it's gonna be a good one, man. And, uh, listen, man, I want to, I've already taken up a lot of your time man, and I really appreciate you giving me that time. It's been great talking to you man i've been a fan of yours for a long time and we've never really had the the conversation before you know and uh and and you're so inspiring Uh, it's perfect what you want to do after fighting man because you're going to be a perfect fit i think anybody that sees this interview will agree um you've been through a lot and you've turned it all into a a positive and and you've had so much success with it and you just keep going man so it's an honor to to have you on my show and and thank you for giving me this time in this conversation. I really appreciate it. And I think the fans and the followers are going to really appreciate it as well. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was a fan of yours first. Um, and, uh, I've always said this, that the only time I really can take a compliment is when it's from my peers. So, you know, when I, when I like met guys like you and Forrest and, you know, other 
fighters that I was watching before I got in the big show tell me like that they're fans of mine or they like my fights. Like to me, that that's the highest honor, you know, when you get honored by your peers. So I appreciate it. And uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and I'd love to come out there sometime. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. Like I said, it's an honor to hear you say that to me, you know, after seeing all your fights and, and, and the, the life you lead and everything. So I appreciate it, man. And when you do come out to Thailand, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll show you the best time, man. Phuket's amazing. AK Thailand is amazing. You're going to have a fun time, man. And we, we'll, we'll definitely make some experiences out here. All right. All right. Well, sounds good. All right, brother. Take care. Stay safe. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you. I have to have you on the show again, man, when, when uh, you get ready for another fight. Cool. I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I, I, so you know, some of the media people, I just, you know, with the questions, they get a little boring for me. So I yeah. only pick who's who I want to do interviews with, and any former fighter, you know, call you a former fighter, but uh, anybody who's been in the situation and can understand, I appreciate where you're coming from. Your questions a little bit more. Uh, I know you won't ask me the dumb questions, so I appreciate yeah. you. I'd love to be on anytime. Thank you so much, man. All right, thank you, and, and uh, I appreciate being on the show, and I'll talk to you next time. All right. Good luck, man. Heal up your leg. I, I will. I'll be back by, up, the end of the I wanna, by the end of the wanna, year, and I promise that I'll be better than I've ever been. Promise. I want to I see you fight again, and I, I trust what you say. I think you will be, and I can't wait to see it. All right. All right, take Later. care. All right, well, there you have it, Cub Swanson. Uh, there's not much to wrap up. We covered everything, and uh, – Man, it was so good to get his full story out because I've always wanted to know it myself. You know, I've always been a big fan of his. Um, he's old school. He's been fighting for so long. He's fought everybody. And to find out where he came from and, and, and what he was doing up until 19 and then how he turned his life around and, and, and is now fighting top-tier fighters in the UFC and has been for many years, um, you know, and, and now coming off this big win, who knows what's going to be in his future. Um super inspirational for myself it was an honor to hear him uh give me this time and 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 credit me as someone that he looked up to and that he watched um because it's the same for him you know i i i look up to him and i love watching his fights as well and it's hard not to like a man who gets fight of the night every fight almost so um great fighter great person um, you know, I wish the best for him and his family and, and I hope he has a speed of recovery. Hope you guys took a lot from it. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, uh, leave a comment, let us know what you think. Subscribe. If you're listening on audio, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, um, and give us a rating. If it's on iTunes, give us that five-star rating. We're five-star rated on there. Um, I appreciate you listening and watching and I'll see you next time. <laughs>